Welcome to the Georgia Show. If you play pickleball, comment in the live comment and let us know, or the uh, the replay comment and let us know. We were talking about pickleball before we started. Hot and, and heavy debate between Mountain Jake and me and Palmer uh, about whether or not it's here to stay. So let us know what you think. <laughs> we do know that Chris Jones and LBU here to stay one way or another. LBU's not going anywhere. Glenn Schumann picks up another one. The shoe has dropped. Tell us about Chris Jones, Mountain Jake. Yeah, uh, you got to really uh, like what this pickup brings for you, man. Another top 150 player, uh, number 10 linebacker, I believe, in this class. And uh, really good size kid, man. 6'2", 215, and moves really well at that size. Um, you know, plays in Fairfax, Virginia, decent sized school there as well. Um, and I think what you really kind of like about this is the job that Georgia did recruiting this kid. You go look at his visit list, man. This kid should be going to Penn State if we're following that old adage of follow the visits. I mean, he should be headed for uh, somewhere in his uh, mid-Atlantic area um, uh, or Florida, perhaps. Um, you know, but he told Chad Simmons things really switched up after that official visit to Georgia. And it certainly seems that that was the case. That was the buzz that we were getting as well. Um, but yeah, great pickup for him. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that he's a guy who fits well within the mold. It's like we talked about, I think with Justin Williams, they're moving. It's, it's really out of necessity this year as uh, compared to last year, these guys are a little bit bigger than last year's class. Um, Jones is, uh, uh, Jones, I think would have been the biggest linebacker in Georgia's class last year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, maybe, well, it won't be this year if they land Chris Cole, who I do think that they could possibly land as well. But um, overall, good player. Um, uh, told Chad Simmons as well that the Quay Walker comparisons were there. And boy, you got to love if you're hearing that. Uh, first round linebacker drafted. Uh, I I think that that's pretty fair to, to see where they're and coming the, from there. Look, the I mean, double the, fours there. Yeah, this guy is, uh, this guy's getting after it, dude. And um, a good character guy. Uh, smart, uh, well-spoken, great support system around him, it seems, as well. So uh, just a lot to love, I think, about Chris Jones. You're going to get better by having a guy like Chris Jones in your program, uh, regardless of his production on the field, and his production on the field looks to be really, really strong as well. Uh, welcome in, Jake Rowe. I can't help but see the uh, Trayvon Walker comparison every time he does anything now, man. That's pretty terrifying if you're on offense. It's a 44, man. So number 44 he's wearing. Uh, one of the things that your, your mic your mic is toast, Jake. Oh, is it? Well, oh, you're, it's, 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 you it's, sound like the dialogue in a Christopher sorry. Nolan film. Is this better? There, there you, you go. go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yes, Jake, it helped. Yeah, <laughs> that's way better. All right. It was yeah, your hour here on the, the Georgia show tonight, everybody. We're just uh, yeah. working the kinks out. Yeah, um, the, the microphone was like turned, uh, kind of turned straight down. Uh, I, I hadn't like tipped it up towards my face yet, but uh, um, it's that it's that number, I think, the Trayvon Walker thing. But you can tell one of the things that, that I feel like I can see as far as him as a runner when he kind of when you got to see his gait a little bit is he runs like a running back. Like you can tell he's got like a there's a choppy step deal there. Um, you know, doesn't get his knees too high. It's, you know, that's that kind of plays into his like change of direction. Roquan kind of ran like that a little bit too. And, um, you know, I, I just like the fact that he lines up on the edge and he, and he can get an offensive lineman's hands down um, and can kind of rush the passer in that way because, you know, that's something that Georgia really loves for its inside linebackers to be able to do is to, is to kind of run through blocks 
um, on the way to the quarterback when they're asked to blitz. And um, this guy's an inside linebacker all the way. I don't want anybody to get any kind of, um, you know, uh, inkling that I'm trying to say he's an edge player. He, he lines up out there and he can do those things. But Georgia asked that of its linebackers and and he fits right in man i think he fits right in with this class and right in with uh some really talented players that george has gotten in this class that gives me some, uh, i was gonna say that gives me some jalen walker by exactly where i was going yeah yep. i mean, I mean you know, you're talking about he's an ilb all the way but you know if called upon or if, uh, you know if, if compelled into service uh he could probably serve that role yeah. Well, and and Jalen played outside linebacker during his senior season. I, I went back to watch that tape after I watched uh, Chris's right here because I was I was kind of thinking that same comparison. Just you know, it, it's a lot of the same names that we mentioned with Justin Williams. You know, the the Quay Walkers, the Jalen Walkers, those bigger linebackers, and and like you said, Roos, that's characteristic of this class so far. Um, you know, you're not getting a a, a small six foot type guy that's going to run across the field. You're getting somebody that's a little bit bigger, a little bit more bruising. And we see it here coming off the edge. Somebody that's, you know, essentially playing a, a defensive end uh, edge type player role, uh, you know, but has the outside inside linebacker capability too. violence. This, this kid's all about violence. And, you know, that's the, what he should uh, be the huddle tape. Violence. I don't know who's editing the huddle videos now, but, I'm just going to call him Big Dog because every highlight that pops up, there's like a little animation that says Big Dog status. Cracks me <laughs> up. Uh, no, not that one. Hype, hype, hype. Hype, hype, hype. He's yeah, nothing. Yeah. He's he's way more than just hype, man. It just blows me away how he's young, all these – He's the young metro of huddle tapes, man. I mean, he's uh, – he, <laughs> There really it is. There's here. the Big Dog status. Yeah. We should have yeah. known. I mean, we should have watched this tape after his junior year and known right away that uh, he, he was bound for Georgia. Well, it's crazy that so many of these tapes, man, like there's no fall off. There's no drop off with so many of these linebacker prospects that Georgia is getting commitments from. Like they're not slowing down. There's like I'm not seeing like a a role player, you know, and, and they're all big. They're all giants. I'll say this, man. If Justin Williams is number one and this kid's number 10, there's there's nine there's eight really damn good linebackers between the two because uh you know it's it's just there's not a wide gap and I'm not saying Charles Powers got it wrong or anything like that I mean heck Charles has got him number twenty five at linebacker and I'm, I'm sure Charles has got his reasons um but but you know if you look between those two linebackers if there are eight linebackers in the country better than this kid or nine better or eight between him and Justin Williams I mean there's just some good players at the position because. And and you get you kind of feel that a little bit in, in terms of this inside linebacker class, right? Because well, I mean, Demarcus Riddick, uh, Chris Cole, Sammy, Sammy I mean, Brown, Sammy Brown, Chris absolutely, Joseph Phillips, yeah. You know, another guy. Gators, though, be, I mean, the Gators stacked up some linebacker that, talent too. Another guy that's going to be on that list is uh, is uh, Jamonte Waller, right there. Yeah. Just popped up number seven. So, another guy on, Georgia was involved scroll, with. Scroll, there for scroll a back bit. up. Scroll back up real, here, real quick here, Wes. Number two was number two is who? Sammy. Okay, Sammy. All right. So Georgia offer, Georgia offer, Georgia offer. I don't think Miles Graham has the Georgia offer. Uh, Chris Cole, Georgia offer. Adarius Hayes, Georgia offer. Uh, Jamonte Waller, Georgia offer. Aaron Childs, Georgia offer. Now, now uh, we will say this about you know Waller. Georgia did stop recruiting him. Yes, kind yes. Of a little bit into it, but but they were involved with all of these guys at one point or another. Is kind of right. Important. You know, we're that's what we're talking about the depth in this class. Joseph Phillips, a guy. What took Joseph Phillips a couple months ago? Chris one, Jones, one. 
Georgia offer, clearly. Um, I mean, it, the list goes on and on. So, yeah, this gives you a sense. Out of 10 guys, they were involved with nine of them in this in the country. Um, so that, that really speaks to what they're able to do and what they think about this linebacker class, I think, overall. It's a top-heavy one. Loaded linebacker class. Yeah. When's the last time, and Chris Cole, uh, his announcement coming up, When's the last time Georgia was just plucking guys out of Virginia? I'm struggling to remember some top profile guys that they signed out of. I remember last year they got Joshua Miller. Otherwise, I cannot remember a single guy. Where was Briscoe from? State of Virginia. Uh, I believe he was from Maryland. Maryland? Yeah, I believe Juwan Briscoe is from Maryland. Georgia's gotten some guys out of Maryland. I Um, from Maryland. I can't. I can't recall a ton of dudes out of Virginia. They've they've gone after guys out of Virginia. Josh Sweat. Uh, yeah. was, was yeah. from Virginia. Um, um, you know, they uh they they've recruited dudes. Um that who was the uh I mean I, I guess if you consider DC Virginia, they got Mikhail uh, MJ Sherman out yeah. of Virginia. Yeah. Um th- who was the corner? Was was Tony Grimes a Virginia kid? He was. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was. He was yeah. Yep. And they were they were you know front and center on that whole deal until he reclassified and Grayson Lambert played in Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Leonard Floyd and John Atkins went to prep school in that's Virginia. true, that's true. Um, SEC so, record holder Grayson Lambert, we should say. Yeah, SEC record yeah. holder NCAA record holder. He's like Voldemort to South Carolina fans. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you talk must about not him. Be named. Uh Let's see. Sky High Hicks wants to know who has the most upside out of Cole and Jones. I'm I'm bringing up uh, Cole's footage now. The two Chris's. Yeah, Cole is uh, Cole's one of those dudes. There aren't many guys in this class that have more upside than that dude. Um, and what's he's, crazy? He's a late. He was a late bloomer, man. Yeah, he's, he's so big and long and fast. Like first of the year. Yeah, um, you know he was not really on a lot of radars until you know in the last year, early this year. So yeah, he's Chris Cole gives me some uh going off the Georgia board a little bit. He gives me some Carlos Dansby vibes. Oh, some old wow. school Auburn played some safety early in his career. Yeah, that's digging you know, deep. You know, I mean, just so big and long and play. I think he'll play ball for a long time, man. Because I mean, you watch what he does on film. I mean, he's coming from you know seventeen yards back on that play right there to go to go get somebody. Uh, he lines up over the slot. He lines up at safety. He lines up on the edge. Um, they ask him to do a lot at the high school level, and I don't know if any of it is, you know, football IQ based. Like I don't know if there's a ton of reading and reacting and all and and keys and all that stuff that they're asking him to do. If they're just saying, "Hey, you stand back here from a long way and you watch it and you go get it," um, but either way, he's seeing the game from a lot of different angles where 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 he's playing at the high school level because they just put him all over the place. Well, and also self-listed uh, recently at 6'4", 220. Yeah, sub-4'5", too. Doing it in a, an elite frame, too. Yeah. So that's what's scary to me about Chris Cole. You're talking about a guy who may just be scratching the surface of his ability um, and doing it just with outstanding size, outstanding speed, um, just everything you're looking for, man. And I've got a I've got an RPM pick in for Georgia for Cole. I will say this, though. I haven't heard anything out of the Tennessee visit, but anytime um, you get a kid, you know, on campus that late visit, 
Um, might be the last time he visits before he decides because I do think he wants to make a decision in, in August. Uh, there was some talk out there. I, I got some questions about this. Um, maybe it was from some other site reporting that Georgia was pushing kids to commit fast. I haven't heard anything about that, and I dang sure hadn't heard it about you know you know a guy like this. I mean, Georgia. I think maybe folks are drawing some conclusions because Georgia's getting guys to commit early. Um, <laughs> but I mean, listen, man, there's a lot of guys committing to a lot of schools right now, not just Georgia. Uh, the, the the summer was a grind, um, and people want to get their schooling out of the way. You know, their schools, their high school seasons out of the way, um, and and let those kind of have be front and center. Um, yeah, Georgia's not pushing anybody, man. This is this a, is, this is a, this is a, like a byproduct of, of the early signing day to me. Yeah. Uh, guys don't really have a lot of time postseason um, anymore. You know, uh, if you're done, maybe you're done, what, around Thanksgiving uh, in most cases. Um, you know, if you're playing for state championships, you're probably playing uh, that late. But, you know, for the most part, guys don't have a lot of time to uh, – wait between early signing day and uh, right now uh, they're, they're doing their high school season. And a lot of coaches, uh, you hear it consistently, I think from the Buford end, especially, but I don't think that that's unique to them that they want guys to go ahead and get this done so they can focus on their senior season of high school. And um, I think that's a good move. I understand it, but you know, if guys had the opportunity to wait till February again, um, then they might do that. Um, and also too, I think that some of it's just, Guys looking around and saying, "Wow, they're stacking a lot of cats up, man." Yeah, I got to get my spot. I got to reserve. I got to reserve my spot at the table. Well, and and the May official visit weekend was that a new addition this year? I think it was last year as well. I believe last year was the first year you could do that. I, I like I said, I don't remember that, but yeah, I mean that that certainly factors in the fact that you know kids are taking official visits that early. In fact, um, I think you could do it. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Justin Rett took his official visit during G-Day last year. I think um, you might be right. Yeah, and so I, I think that that was the first time, though, that that was possible to do that. So it's an accelerated calendar for everybody, um, given how the NCAA has moved the recruiting calendar around. And coaches want guys to sign during the early signing period, whether they're in early enrolling or not. They want to go ahead and get them in because then they know where we got to, where we have to focus in the portal, where we got to focus in trying to upturn a gym. I mean, it, it's a lot of um, it's it's how you work your numbers. And and just listening to Kirby Smart talk about you know this the earlier phase um, of recruiting, he's enjoying it. I mean, I think it makes it easier on these coaches because they can turn some of their attention towards the next class this fall. Obviously, you're gonna keep in contact with all your guys and, and, you know, the guys that you wouldn't mind flipping too. But, you know, if, if you've got the majority of your class set, you can really focus in on the last few pieces of your, of 2024 and then put a lot of time and effort into getting off to a great start with 2025. Yeah. Do we have a, uh, a decision date for Cole? No, I think early <laughs> August is what we're expecting. So I would say next couple of weeks, but nothing locked in. All right, and we, and we do and have again, we don't know how dates. that we don't know how that Tennessee visit is gone. I mean, I yeah. listen, I I want everybody to understand. I, I think Tennessee is absolutely a factor. You get a late visit like that, they might be able to kind of swing things. But going into that visit, Georgia uh, is the team to beat, and it's the team to beat until I hear otherwise. Um, but you know, it's you know Tennessee's going to have a shot there. And what you end up having, what ends up happening here is you get a commitment like Justin Williams, you get a commitment like Chris Jones. And you get another school, and, and maybe that allows them to get a pinky toe in the door 
and they pry a little bit. They work a little bit. They do this. They do that. Um, you listen, these guys, the, these coaches are skilled salesmen. They get paid very, very well for what they do. And listen, it's all fair. I ain't, I ain't going to sit here and trash a coach for anything they tell a kid to get a guy like Chris Cole on your football team because that's what you get paid to do. You get paid to get good players on your team. Um, so yeah, good on them if they're able to turn the worm here. But Georgia's got a lot – uh, a lot of momentum going into that Tennessee visit, and Georgia has a lot to sell him on the inside linebacker position. I mean, uh, uh, Glenn Schumann, at my last count, had two first-round picks, two Buckus Award winners, um, two consensus All-Americans, I think maybe two unanimous All-Americans. I'm not sure if Nicobe Dean was a unanimous All-American. Uh, at least three third-round picks, maybe more. Um, you know, a, a running back turned wide receiver turned Mr. Irrelevant seventh round pick yep. and Tate Crowder. Um, that just a lot of, a lot of, you know, good things have happened, um, for Glenn Schumann when it comes to coaching linebackers and it's only going to get better. He's got some pelts on the wall for sure. Uh, we've got some, uh, upcoming dates as well. KJ Bolden, August 5th. That is a week from yesterday, Saturday. And, we got Nate Frazier. I don't even know if he goes by Nate Frazier, but that's what I call him. Uh, Nathaniel Frazier, if he you're does. using Google.com to find him, on August the 6th. And a lot of hand-wringing on the board over K.J. Bolden's visit to Auburn. And I get it, guys. Hugh Freeze is on a tear right now. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They, they've mean, done Perry, a really good job. No, Perry Thompson, Demarcus Riddick. I mean, two five-star guys from your rivals – uh, in, in the last week, I mean, it doesn't get much better. I, I feel like if you're Auburn right now in terms of trying to, you know, hurt the other and uh, bolster yourself. So uh, credit due where it is, man. I, I think they've done a nice job. They brought in a tremendous group of guys for this big cat weekend as well. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like what they're doing. I mean, there's, there's, like I said, there's credit where it's due, man. Where what's crazy is on paper, it looks like they flipped from their rivals, but in reality, yeah. I would consider they flipped two from their rival, and yeah, that was I Alabama. I would because agree. three months ago, we told you, Demarcus Riddick, probably not going to be in this class, probably going to go to Alabama. I would have bet the farm. I would, I would have bet, bet Roos's farm. I would have bet Palmer's farm, and I would have fought both of them afterward because I would have <laughs> lost their farms. Um, because let me tell you something. Alabama had flipped – all but flipped DeMarcus, or, you know, DeMarcus Riddick from Georgia, and then Auburn got him from them too. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. Let Georgia take the L, whatever. Uh, you can't tell an Auburn fan anything right now, not one yeah. thing. And good for them. That's great. I know it's been a long time coming. The last 20 years of this Georgia rivalry have been just viciously bad for you. I understand. It's been tough to tough to endure. It's probably not going to get any better anytime soon. And it's damn sure not going to get any better if you don't get some offensive and defensive linemen committed. But enjoy right now, okay? Enjoy that because uh, right now you got one D lineman committed and um, that don't get it done in the SEC, as Tommy Tupperville told Mark Rick one time um, way back in the day. So uh, uh, funny to see how those two have ended up now. Um, but um, yeah, yeah that fork in the road is something. They're doing some great things. I still think, you know, right now, I'll tell you right now, um, you know, I still think KJ Bolden to Georgia as of today. There's a lot of weird stuff going around about KJ Bolden. Um, apparently, you know, there's some Auburn folks that have kind of spun themselves up into thinking it's an Auburn FSU battle. Folks, I'm here to tell you that that's just that's not that's not the case. That's not. I don't normally case. laugh at recruiting takes, but I did have to. Uh, 
Chuckle at that one, man. That's the first I've heard of that. Georgia's very much in it with K.J. Bolden. Auburn is too. Uh, Florida State is. I, I think Ohio State's kind of slipping a little bit here. I think Ohio State, um, you know, I, I, listen, I, if, if Ohio State doesn't get him, I'll say this. I'll, I'll thump my chest about the Perry Eliano cousin connection. Like we mentioned, I believe it was on Wednesday, Wes, when, when uh, Jeremy was on here. I mean, I think they just found out they were cousins like two months ago. Yeah. So, and, and everybody, that's all everybody wants to talk about. just got the 23 about. and me back. <laughs> Grace the family tree. That's all folks <laughs> wanted to talk about for like six straight weeks is Perry Eliano, cousin. Uh, they don't know each other. The, I mean, they didn't even know they were cousins. So, um, they, they can't be that close. Um, but ultimately, we'll see. We'll see how it ends up. I'm not saying Ohio State's out of it. It just moves out there sliding a little bit. I'm pretty confident he won't end up at Alabama. Um, but still kind of confident that he'll end up at Georgia, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, it's still time to, for minds to change. Hey, y'all y'all lay off Barry, all right? Barry Watkins in the comments is either an Auburn fan messing with all of y'all or a Georgia fan messing with Auburn people, saying that Nye Or Carl somebody with a traumatic Auburn, brain injury. Nate Frazier <laughs> to Auburn as well. So you heard it here first on the Georgia show, Barry Watkins with the scoop. No, listen, I'm with you, Jake. Uh, I'm not – I've been consistent about KJ Bolden now for a long time, and I'm not changing that up. We'll see what we hear tomorrow. I mean, right? It's after a, a big visit weekend. It's exciting. It's, you know, there's a lot of buzz right now around Auburn. And I get it, man. I get where they're feeling really good about this. I'm not backing off of the Georgia pick. I haven't heard anything that would make me do that. So all I can go on is what I know, what I feel. And um, I, I feel that it's still all Georgia. And, Everything that I've heard continues to point that way. Um, we'll see if it holds. Uh, there's a long way to go, all right? I mean, uh, even though it's a couple days away, there's a long way to go between now and then. So anything can change, but I, I think K.J. Bolden is uh, Georgia-bound, if I'm if you're uh, asking me tonight. What do we know about his relationship with Riola before Riola transferred to Buford and obviously since? I'm, I'm sure they've been – uh, thick as thieves getting to hang out together uh, guys know each other man i mean you know they play on seven on seven circuits together they they go to these top trainers they're spending time at these nil events uh that that you know the nil uh event that on three put on um you know they're putting they're putting in facetime right they're the best players in america get to hang out a lot and um so they know they knew each other. Uh, I don't know that they were like bros necessarily. Um, you know, I think that they they got phone numbers. I, I think I recall at one point them mentioning you know texting each other or, or one of them mentioning texting the other. But uh, to to any degree, uh, it's they're not strangers in the night, man. I mean, these guys are familiar with each other, and you know, there's a lot of ongoing discussions with them for sure. Nate Frazier is a clone of DeAndre Swift, according to. Sky High Hicks in our comment section. I think everything we're hearing seems pretty good for Georgia as, uh, as it relates to Frazier trending towards the dog. So could be a big weekend for Georgia. I know that running back talent is something that Georgia fans are clamoring for. We've been on the record here on the show. Whatever K.J. Bolden decides doesn't make or break this class. But, man, you talk about five uh, August 5th and August 6th. Those two guys capping off this week that uh, Chris, one of the Chris has already started at linebacker. Yeah, we've had some amazing weeks in Georgia recruiting for us to talk about and cover this summer. It will be hard to imagine one bigger than that. Yeah, 
I don't know that you're even really going to be able to do that, to be honest with you. I, I that's as as impressive as this hall is. That stretch was as good as I can ever remember in my almost ten years of doing this. So, um, and now listen, you're talking about five star guys here, and listen, if you get Nate Frazier, you get KJ Bolden. I continue to hear good things about Williams Nawaneri, and and maybe I'm alone in that. Uh, maybe you know, Oklahoma's hearing good things, Mizzou's hearing good things. I can only trust what I hear as well. I think Georgia's still in a good spot there. I don't know that they went out. I think that's probably too close to call at the moment. But, um, yeah, they're, they've got a real chance here before the season starts. And I said this a couple of shows back. Georgia has a chance to be in a better spot than they have ever been prior to the season starting in terms of recruiting, period. I, and I, I, I stand by that. I think that that's really the case, especially given some of these visits that you got come up. Jake Rowe, uh, appreciate you joining us for a moment. We'll say sayonara for now and see you again on Bark After Dark tomorrow night. That's right. We'll have a pre-recorded Bark After Dark tomorrow night. Um, I mean, I'll go ahead and I'm just going to out Roos right now. Roos is going to go see Shohei Otani tomorrow night. So. I mean, come on. I've been looking forward to this. You gotta I know. I, listen, I do it too. Cat, man. I don't even like baseball that much. But I, 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 yeah, this, listen, if Roos wants to go to a Braves baseball game, <laughs> I'm down with it because this, I had, well, listen, one time I had seats behind the Braves dugout. I got them from David Andrews' dad. And me and some other buddies were looking at going. And uh, Roos was like, no, nah, man, y'all go ahead. And I was like, what? <laughs> These are free tickets behind the dugout. It's like four rows behind the dugout. Uh, they were so close that a, that a pop fly foul ball hit my buddy on top of the head. Uh, we couldn't save him. We tried to jump over his head and save him, but we couldn't do it. But I probably uh, wouldn't have gone. I probably would not be going unless Otani was playing. Yeah. But hey, Roos needs to get some of them Braves up in him. Um, and mate, listen, I'm hoping it turns him into a big fan. We got more to talk about as if we need more to talk about. <laughs> he ain't seen the Braves play game all year. That's right. He's coming he likes down from the hills it. to see it. See ya. Um, all right, guys. It is camp week for the dogs. Palmer been flexing. He's been stretching, doing his calisthenics, <laughs> getting ready for camp week. We'll hear from Kirby Smart on August 2nd. That is Wednesday, if my calendar is on the right year. It is. Uh Palmer, what are you looking forward to hearing, man? We just heard from Kirby at SEC Media Days. But as I've alluded to, when Kirby gets that visor on and y'all hear from him after practice, he's a different dude than when he's up there spitting wise words from behind the podium at SEC Media Days. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So Wednesday's interview session with him will be before the first practice. Um, then we'll talk to players Thursday after that first practice um, with what we've been told of a brief view, viewing period on Thursday. So should be a lot of content to come out of that. Um, you know, do I think – I don't know how different the message will be uh, on Wednesday from what it was at SEC Media Days, um, you know, two weeks ago. Um, it, it'll be two weeks and one day from, from the time that Kirby talked in Nashville. Um, you know, because – in terms of injuries, I mean, that's that's going to be the same thing. You're not going to have quarterback worked out. Um, you know, we, we didn't really discuss wide receivers with him or discuss, um, you know, defensive line, um, the secondary. I think a lot of those things will, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out during camp, some of those position battles. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you could go with headlines and storylines. Um, 
you know, Jake and I are, are planning to, to have you all covered this week with storylines for, for fall camp. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of different ways that this stuff could go. And, um, you know, I think certainly the, there is an excitement in the air that football will be back. I'm excited to have Kirby actually have to talk about the quarterbacks. I think he kind of sidestepped at SEC media days. We didn't really hear much about Carson Beck or Brock Vandergriff or Gunnar Stockton come out of Nashville. And I think at this point, it's kind of – it's probably going to dominate the storylines, I would imagine, whether Kirby actually gives a starting QB or not. I have to imagine this is going to be something he'll get multiple questions about from different angles as people try to – peel back that the layer of that onion yeah i mean uh, over the over the course of the next month they are going to have to decide on a starting quarterback if they haven't already decided that um you know like you said whether he comes out and publicly says that or not you know i i'm not certain i what i do think is if they've made that decision and that is something that is known within the team it's probably something that he will you know, and I'm not expecting that decision to have been made now, maybe a couple weeks into camp or, you know, by the time the UT Martin week rolls around. Um, if that's, you know, at, at the point that that is a decision that's made within this team, I think that he's probably going to want to put that fire out, you know, as opposed to having to answer that question every day, you know, in, in lead up to that game. Yeah, I, I think that it's one of those things that, I don't know. He, he's not going to do it. I mean, he's just going to put or next to it every week. And that's just how this will be for the rest of time with anything that he does. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that he'll talk about that. I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they address, you know, replacing a lot of key elements. And really, too, what's interesting is, you know, what is they're not going to think about it at this point. Obviously, they're going to try to move forward from here. But, you know, the, Georgia uh, could lose a lot after this year. Uh, they, that's possible. And so the face of the program could change pretty drastically. I, I don't know that that's something that we'll get to in preseason camp, but I, I think it's a storyline that is of interest to me throughout the season um, in terms of you know depth, experience, guys who've been around, guys who've been with this program through two national championships and, and pushing for a third. You know, How does that affect things? How do you kind of um, – build for the future knowing that that's the case and i think that the important piece is to reinforce that championship culture and bring these new guys in uh, in the same way well and, and along those lines i do think that we might start to hear some buzz about some of those younger guys especially the ones that were enrolled early which is the majority of this class um but those ones that were enrolled early and you know getting their feet wet during bowl prep, during spring practice, those guys, I do think that that we will start to hear um, so, some positive stuff about, you know, certain ones. And, and you know, that gives you an idea, you know, like you said, Roos, that Georgia is likely to lose a lot of players from this team. Um, you know, obviously you've, you've got a full football season to play before then, uh, but likely to lose a lot of guys. And some of those younger guys – whether they're second-year guys that didn't play a ton last year. You know, somebody that would come to mind there would be like a Darius Smith or, or a C.J. Smith at wide receiver. Um, you know, you've got some youngsters in there, uh, Raylan Wilson, C.J. Allen. Those guys are going to be counted on to step into 
you know, bigger roles. And so I think that we will start to hear some, some noise about some of those guys uh, and, and how they're coming along, you know, both the true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, those underclassmen. I think that that's where we might get some headlines. This I'm ready. I'm ready for Darius Smith hype, dude. I'm listen. I've been on the Darius Smith train for a long time. I'm ready for the breakout for Darius Smith. I, I think he's a, a elite athlete and uh, I'm just waiting for him to put it all together. I hope this is the year. Darius Smith and Tyler Williams are on the all roost team. No question. Um, I'm most interested to hear about the quarterbacks. Like I mentioned, I want to hear what Kirby has to say about the transfer wide receivers. Love it. And Ra Ra Thomas from what the players uh, are indicating. Love it is ready to go. He's ready to play. He's ready to dominate. And when I spoke to him, he's ready to do those things too. He is a, a he has lightning in a bottle right now. And I can't wait to hear what Kirby says about him. But you also have the, you know, the players that you kind of take for granted because you know what they can do because they've done it the past couple seasons in Lad McConkey and Brock Bowers. And, you know, how do they get any better? How do they improve? How can they get better aside from, you know, Conkey's rough stretch where he had some drops against Kent State and uh, Missouri, I believe. You know, that guy's rock solid, and so is Brock Bowers. And then on the defensive side of the ball, how do you replace – replace Jalen Carter you can't do it with one person but how's Georgia going to approach that how much depth do they have at D-line and how uh, encouraged is Kirby with what he's seeing from all those guys who are going to attack it by committee um, I think we've spoken before about how Nazir Stackhouse can kind of be the spearhead of that group but obviously you're looking at wave after wave after wave of uh, player uh, and group on that defensive line uh, core so Excited to hear that, and I don't know how much we'll actually hear from Kirby uh, as he gets camp started because I don't know how much he's actually seen. But as things unfold over the next couple weeks, we'll have you covered, of course, here at Dogs HQ. Um, Wrapping up here, guys, Sony Michelle called it quits and retired from the NFL. That that running back position is just brutal, man. It, It is ravaging. It tears you apart. And we saw Sony Michelle make the most of it in the NFL and win two Super Bowls. And uh, he's had a pretty good career, man. And I don't blame him for hanging it up now. He's probably feeling every single hit he's ever taken in the league. It made me feel old is what I would say. Uh, <laughs> made me feel real damn old um, because I was not exactly a young man uh, when Sony Michelle committed to Georgia. And uh, it was actually the first signing day that I worked uh, and I hung out at the blind pig with Jake Rowe um, and had a chance to cover that one. And I remember that was, uh, you know, Isaiah McKenzie hopped on that day. Um, it was, it was an exciting time, man. And um, you know, one of the stories I always heard about Sony Michelle was that, uh, and, and I thought it spoke, spoke a lot to who he was and what he was about. Um, and uh I won't mention who told me the story, um, though, if they want to, if they want to later on, they can. But uh, I heard that um, Sonny Michelle uh, came into Mark Rick's office and um, sat down with him after a visit. And Mark Rick said, listen, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to offer you a lot of things because you're a really special player and you're a, a, an impactful guy. And um, We're not going to do that because we um, – that's not what we do. And we don't want to jeopardize your future in any way. 
And um, that was kind of what compelled Sony Michelle to land with Georgia, with, that Georgia kind of took that approach with him, that Mark Rick took that approach with him. And um, I think that that's, I think that that really speaks a lot to who he is, who he was at that time. Uh, my God, dude, if he'd given me a hundred thousand dollars when I was 17 years old, I didn't know tell him what I'd have done. Uh, I, I would, I'd have signed nothing with good. I would have signed with UT Martin, but baby, I mean, that, that is no question, but I, you know, he, uh, I, I think that that was really cool. And then also to, you know, he and Chubb coming back, um, what a, how that propelled and springboarded Georgia into the place that it is now. And I, I'll never forget them sitting in those chairs and being the confetti raining down on them and, and how sad that moment was. But then to think about how great everything has been since and how they almost got them to the mountaintop, even in what was a, a you know, not one of Georgia's more talented squads at the time. Um, I, I think it speaks a lot to uh, both of those guys, Sonny included. Nothing gracious, nothing great. Um, a, a damn good dog and, and uh, certainly a hero, I think, to a lot of people. Well, something that Georgia fans don't want to hear, I'm sure, because they're tired of hearing it from other fan bases. But the truth is the truth here. The injury to Michelle in that national championship game changed that whole ball game. Yeah, uh, he got hurt in the Rose Bowl, I believe, or I think he got hurt in the SEC championship, and was playing hurt in the Rose Bowl. Is either a groin or a quad, something in his leg, I can't remember. But he exited that national championship and couldn't come back in. And he was he was having the most success against Bama. And when you have the rotation that Georgia had with Chubb and Michelle, I think losing Michelle in that game, Swift did all he could. But not having Chubb and Michelle in that game was uh, was pretty detrimental to Georgia in the long run. But the impact he had while he was there and being part of that group that decided to come back, Kirby Smart owes Sony Michelle a lot of credit for that national championship run and for the foundation of of what Georgia football is right now. I mean, it was a transitional period, I think, is – the best way to, to describe those early years. And, um, you know, as, as somebody that didn't, I, you know, crazy to say I wasn't covering the team then, um, <laughs> you know, and watched from afar, um, you, you know, were like eighth grade, I was a senior in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I was, I was an accepted student to UGA by the time that Georgia was playing for an SEC championship. Um, <laughs> No, but, uh, you know, it, it was cool to watch those guys from afar, watch Georgia, uh, you know, make a, you know, return to relevancy because a year before I had been, you know, on a college visit watching Georgia lose to Vanderbilt. Ooh. Tough times, man. Different Nickel times State. for sure. Nickel State also that year. <laughs> that, that whole thing just didn't feel real. No, I agree. That felt like a fever dream. Um, but anyways, I know y'all are paying your respects to Sonny Michelle. Tons of respect for him from everyone on this show, of course. And uh, we'll see uh, the jazz hands. <laughs> Look forward to seeing what Sonny Michelle does next, man. Uh, let's do some dog stocks on our dog stock Sunday. I'm going to say stock down on Dak Prescott's prediction that he will only – throw 10 interceptions max in this season. And I think it has a lot to do with all the Georgia fans, uh, all the Georgia players rather on the Philadelphia Eagles team, 
because Nolan Smith is coming. Jalen Carter's coming. Kiwi Ringo just signed his deal uh, a few weeks ago. I think the ink is just recently dried. He's coming. And you got N'Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis, the old heads, that are did, coming as well. Did y'all Dak see Prescott the, uh... is going to have a tough time not throwing several interceptions against this Eagles defense, not just because of the Georgia players, but a lot of them are actually getting their chance to step up and play. And from what we've heard from the reporters in Philly, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith are making things an absolute hell for the players that are already on the roster. So uh, Dak Prescott, everybody else in the NFC East, going to be going to be a tough, tough road for you. Well, Jalen Carter already coming out and saying, you know, I'm ready to turn up, make a big impact this season. I'm ready to kill the Cowboys. Everybody's got beef with them, so I might as well join the wave. Um, but far from my favorite quote, um, so I'll, I'll combo this into a stock up there on Nolan Smith. Uh, he was talking about, you know, what he loves about football and said, we have the most perfect job in the world. We get to come out here, play football, fly around, and hit mother you know what? Uh, just first of all, the thoughts of him saying that and the look on Claude Felton's face had he done that at Georgia. would have killed the man. The man that, would be, he would have died. Uh, Claude's been in all of Kirby Smart's pressers and <laughs> locker room availabilities. Uh, not not and, to mention. non availabilities is what I meant to say. Claude's yeah. heard way worse from, from Kirby. He also had something in there about, you know, uh, you know, he can make up for a lot of mistakes by going and knocking the shit out of somebody. And I was, I, you know, that that's that's a sign that football is back. You know, guys ready to fly around, you know, not knock it out of someone, um, you know, love love the fire that Nolan is showing up there um, and, and just really excited to watch Philadelphia this fall. Um, I will also add in a quick stock up since we're talking about the Rams with Sony's retirement. Stetson Bennett showing a lot of signs of early growth in fall camp or uh, training camp, uh, as they call it in the NFL. Um, you know, he – Sean McVay and, and the Rams coaching staff and organization, I just can't remember – you know, can't forget how excited that they were when they were able to land him in the draft. Uh, you know, he's proven them right. You know, he's learning – he's a quick learner, um, you know, learning from, you know, quarterback coach Zach Robinson – uh, obviously fellow Georgia, former Georgia quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Um, and he said, you know, McVay said he thought that yesterday uh, was Stetson's sharpest day at camp. And, um, you know, was asked about, you know, one, one of the reporters asked specifically about if he could see him, you know, learning on the fly, you know, uh, making adjustments throughout practice. And he said that he thinks that's a fair evaluation. So, so stock up on dogs in the NFL. Yeah, and that stock is only going up. All right, Jake, before you begin your descent down the mountain to uh, Truist Park, take us home, wrap it up. What's your stock report? All right, I'm going to say stock up, and I wrote an article on it earlier this week uh, on Glenn Schumann, and I've probably done one on him before, but um, they did an outstanding job, I thought Georgia did. Knowing that Demarcus Riddick was probably headed elsewhere now for a couple of months, how do they kind of offset that loss? They go out and land a five-star guy, the number one linebacker in the country, and Justin Williams. And then they follow it up with a top 150 player in the class, number 10 linebacker, and Chris Jones. Uh, uh, Chris Jones. And then potentially you're in it for 
uh, a guy like uh, Chris Cole as well. I think Georgia has done a great job of covering its bases when it comes to the 2024 class. Yes, there are areas of improvement that they could uh, stack up, right? I mean, you've lost a safety commit. Um, will Peyton Woodyard stick? We're, we're watching that one. Uh, as of right now, I haven't heard anything to make me think otherwise, but I know people are kind of wringing their hands over that one. We'll see. But if he doesn't, oh, K.J. Bolden is hanging out there. You got Cam Michael as a guy to watch. So Georgia has options available. And that's really what they've done well in this class is keep their options available, keep a lot of names warm. And um, so I give them a lot of credit. Like I said, Glenn Schumann doing a masterful job. You lose a five-star linebacker. Not a lot of teams could do that and offset the hurt. I think Georgia did in landing a guy like Justin Williams and then bringing a guy like Chris Jones in. So uh, kudos to them for the way that they're handling it. And also stock up. It's Jim Stone's finale night, and uh, really excited to see uh, how they wrap the season up. All right, we'll hop off and let you get to that. Y'all hit like and subscribe on Dogs HQ on YouTube. Thanks for joining us for the Georgia Show every Sunday and Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. Bark After Dark every Monday at 9. Some big guests coming this football season. Can't wait to see what's in store tomorrow night. And as camp gets started, y'all just take a moment, appreciate where you're at as Georgia football fans, It's never been this good. I think it's about to get better. Catch y'all next time.